All right, this is Crosstown Conversations, and as I said in my newsletter, welcome Carnival. Thank goodness for it. Enough of holidays with a Z, freezes, flu, not to mention the national parade of disgrace. I am so, so glad to be in New Orleans right now Uh, as as a reformed Yankee who grew up in New York. January. You think it's rough that we've had here? And this was a comparatively rough January. New York in January is the pits. And it's not just January. It lasts through February and it lasts through March, sometimes into April. So when January 6th, the first day of Carnival rolls around in New Orleans, I'm saying, man, I am so home. I am so in the right place because this is our golden time. Mm -hmm. This is the glory time. And I have with me in studio today three different carnival traditions, a really, really, really old one, a not-so-old one, and a really, really, really new one. And it's really appropriate totally that the really, really, really old one is essentially a black carnival organization baby dolls doesn't everybody want to find their baby dolls the not so old but not so new i have nicks here and amanda soprano to tell us about it and i'm going to introduce the baby dolls in a minute and then i've got kevin kevin what's your last name again santani Santani. He was debating whether he was going to be anonymous or not. And I said, oh, come on. I mean, we're sort of anonymous anyway. Who has come up with a whole new thing about the World's Fair? And I'm making sure that he doesn't kick our ass too badly with his satire about the World's Fair. Oops, was I supposed to say that word or not? I don't know. (laughs) Now, the baby dolls. Since you are the 1912? Really? Wow. Okay. Introduce yourselves, ladies. You can share my mic. Sure. This is Melissa White, founder and creative director of the Baby Doll Ladies. We are continuing the 106-year-old endearing Mardi Gras tradition of doll masquerading and dancing. And today I have with me two members of the Baby Doll Ladies, whom are... Hi, this is Ricky Caton, also known as Baby Doll Lady Fun Size. I am Kia Moffitt, also known as Baby Doll Lady Purple Rain Dance. Purple Rain Dance. Purple Rain Dance. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yes, yes. I I used to be told that I had a beautiful voice. There was only one trouble with my voice. I can't sing on key. (laughs) That's a serious problem. Yeah, yeah, that's a a very serious problem, yeah. All right, so let's, let's, let's start with the baby dolls. Where did that come from? Well, the tradition itself started out as a competitive pageantry of sorts. There was a group of free-spirited women from Uptown. Back then in the 19-teens, it was known as Backatown, same stomping grounds as Louis Armstrong. And one carnival in an effort uh, to garner more business, they came out and paraded up and down the Basin Street line to see who would be the prettiest. Now, see, the thing was... On Basin Street, 
in Storyville days, you know, you had all these uh, beautiful mansions. And when you got off the railway station, all you had to do was look across the street for all the vice you could ever want. Okay. <laughs> so that left it very challenging for the women back of town to garner or to sway travelers their way. So Mardi Gras happened to be coming up. This was 1912, and they were already having their challenges with these women of Storyville proper. When I say Storyville, I mean Storyville proper, um, with the mansions across from the railway station. So they decided collectively, they actually had a meeting. And by the way, we know this to be true because these stories were chronicled by a WPA writer uh, by the name of Robert J. McKinney. Now, this was in the 40s when he interviewed these women, but he interviewed several of them that had the same account of how it all began in 1912. So the story goes, they had a meeting, and some of the women who gathered that year were everything from sporting women to uh, modistes or seamstresses, um, and they actually, believe it or not, got with a church lady to organize them. Her name was Leola Tate. Okay. Only in New Orleans. Only in New Orleans, right? New Orleans. Such diverse backgrounds. <laughs> and so Leola said, well, quote, unquote, what's your pleasure? And then by a lady by the name of Beatrice Hill stood up and she said, well, we ain't got one, but we got a motion and an object. <laughs> and she said, I raised that to say that we want to come out in mass this Mardi Gras to outdo all the women in town. So they decided that every tub, quote unquote, would stand on its own bottom. They would pay 50 cents a week dues. The, the quote is, Leola said to her group, okay, well, if we're going to do this, basically it's not going to be cheap. We're going to have to invest. We're going to have to get our costumes together. It's going to cost. But every tub should stand on its own bottom, you know, meaning you're accountable for your dues. Some of the women made their dresses. Some of them had them made. And Another lady stands up and says, well, what are we going to call ourselves? Beatrice says, well, let's just be baby dolls. That's what the men call us anyway. Okay? So baby dolls was a phenomenon. It was all about the jazz. They were women of the jazz. Okay? Early shake dancers or burlesque striptease dancers, if you will. But that didn't represent the whole. So it wasn't good enough to just be called baby dolls because during those times it was like a um, – term of endearment, you know, a connotation for women. So, hey baby. Yeah, hey baby, hey you doll, hey oh you beautiful doll, pretty baby, right? Hey, hey, still getting, hey, right? New Orleans, it's a southern thing. It's definitely it's a southern thing. Right. So that led them to want to add uh, a distinction of what kind of or what sort of baby dolls they saw themselves as. So she said. How about we call ourselves the Million Dollar Baby Dolls and come out and be red hot. And let's so show all the gentlemen who's really the prettiest. That Mardi Gras day, they paraded up and down the Basin Street line, hands down. It was overstood in the community that the Million Dollar Baby Dolls from back of town were indeed the prettiest. And so you had family groups and social clubs who also adopted the practice of coming out um, to mask or, or masquerade and, and dollish regalia as a form of their own identity. So um, long story short, uh, the heyday, the height of the baby doll's heyday, which most of our black and white pictures um, de derive, or it's from the 40s, the 30s and the 40s. 
And back then they had their own celebration as well. So it evolved. It just evolved over, over time, but it started out as a competitive pageantry. Okay. Let's go take us forward. And, and let me talk to the current Mardi, uh, Mardi Gras baby dolls over here. You guys tell me why you do this. You want to start? Okay. Well, well, this is Ricky, and actually I do it because I grew up dancing, and um, this is a way for me to continue my passion with dance. Um, And also I look at the Baby Doll Ladies as an opportunity for women because we come in all shapes and sizes. So, you know, I know I can't be a rocket because I'm only four foot ten, (laughs) and and I have a large size bust, and I'm not a perfect size zero. So I know I can't be a rocket, but I know that with the Baby Doll Ladies, I can still use my talents because. I was trained. Um, Also, you know, we have an outreach program for schooling youth, so I'm able to bring my um, background in education. I'm an assistant principal of elementary school, so I'm able to bring that into play to help with uh, schooling outreach. uh, (laughs) I I, I love that you are both a baby doll and an assistant principal. Yes. As and, we were and, saying and, before, and, only and, in New Orleans. And when we had our brunch um, Saturday, it was amazing to a lot of people how, the uh, you know, being a baby doll lady, we really have um, evolved in a sense mm-hmm. with the tradition because the women had, so you know, their beginnings were so humble back in 1912. And if you really think about it, that was the jobs or the occupations that those ladies at the time were able to have. Nowadays, the baby doll ladies, us, and I'm only speaking as our group, we are professional women. All of us, for the most part, we have degrees, we have master degrees, we, we have, you know, baby doll ladies who are in school to become nurse practitioners, we're assistant principals, we're teachers, we're counselors, and we're directors, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and we're choreographers on a national level, so it's come full circle. So, you know, when I first came to New Orleans, um, I, I was, I came in 72, I was doing political oh God, work. Thank you very much. <laughs> awesome year. Thank you very much. So, um, at the time, I, I, I commented that, oh my God, there's really only two kinds of women here: the ones that wear white gloves, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, and the ones that work mm-hmm. on the streets, mm-hmm. because you just didn't have. As, as many of the kind of professional women that we have today right. and that we had then when, where I came from. And, and so we have changed. Tell me about your interest and tell you who, who you are. I'm Kia. I've been a baby doll lady since 2011, and the time flies, so I had to, like, look to see how long <laughs> I've been a baby doll lady. But I was not born here. I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, but raised here. And came across baby doll ladies, you know, interesting way and yes it it i dance and it, it and we're real big on dance like real dancing mm-hmm. so that's always great but it's also given me a chance to be a part of a new orleans tradition and a new orleans history that a lot of people don't know about and it's kind of cool that people don't know about it because then i get to tell them about it right. and <laughs> and something that's so deeply like we did um a documentary mm-hmm. going back talking to the people who yes. are still alive and and what their experience and to be a part of that and when people see us coming down the street on Mardi Gras day yes. yep. and how they their eyes light up kids yes. old people like it don't matter and it's all love it's 
and our group it's all love like yeah. it's like a sisterhood really okay. and that's great. why uh, I have a lot to get in in, a, in yes. a short period of time with a whole bunch of people from Mardi Gras but I have two questions I want to answer what are you wearing this year a and B, where are we going to find you? Now I know this is a moving target, but um, mm-hmm. so to speak. <laughs> but tell me, yeah. Well, this year I can share the theme with you because at, traditionally we do not uh, divulge our attire or garb uh, in advance. You know that's part of our tradition. But the theme this year for the baby doll ladies is baby doll ladies sweet shop, and baby. I yes. Doll ladies. Sweet, sweet shop. shop. Mm-hmm. Two P's. Sweet <laughs> e. Shop. And uh, our walking parade takes off at 7.30 a.m. Our walking parade is the only all-female opener Mardi Gras morning. We're positioned right behind Pete Fountain's Half-Fast Walking Club and in front of the crew of Zulu. This year, 2018, is our third annual Mardi Gras Day walking parade. And we're just so grateful and humbled Mm -hmm. that the city of New Orleans, uh, the Economic uh, Preservation uh, Office, has granted us, you know, this um, privilege and pleasure of continuing this endearing tradition um, in a way which it had never been seen. This is the first time where we have an official parade Mm -hmm. route in over 100 years. So... Better late than never. Check the baby doll ladies out. <laughs> Mardi Gras morning. And, uh, is that going to be? Is that going to be in the papers? I mean, it's going to actually be that official? Yes, actually, um, I don't want to be premature here, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, WWL will be posting our route on its website in the coming days. Okay. All right. Fantastic. As well as, excuse me, as well as our own website, yes. babydollladies.com. Babydollladies.com. Yes. All right. Now. And no, as my husband says, this is the year of the woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, and so this is the ladies. Now, we have another women's crew of Knicks. And I remember when Knicks first came on, but I don't know that much about it. So, Amanda. Yes. My name is Amanda Soprano. No, that's not my real name, but I don't put my government name out on the radio. <laughs> um, I first saw Nick's its first year, which is 2012. This is our seventh ride. Is that right? Last year was six. This is seven. Seven, eight, nine. I'm so not good at math, maybe, y'all. Yeah. So um, I saw their first ride. I thought it was amazing. That same year, I went out, and I went home, and I, like, filling out forms on the computer. I don't know. And we had like that. And I put myself on the waiting list for Muses and for Nicks, and forgot about it. Then last year, I get this crazy-looking email, and I sent it to my friend, and I was like, somebody's messing with me, because it just looked crazy. And my friend Julie was like, no, this is an invitation to join Nicks. And it just went from there, and it's been one of the, the best things that's ever happened to me in the city of New Orleans. And there's been a lot of great things that have happened to me. There's been a lot of not so great things, but as with New Orleans, it's always there's always the that balance. There's and the always dark that balance. Side. But the cool thing that I love the most about it is there's a lot of mess that goes on with Carnival. Like, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like, oh, we're gonna stop parading because you told us to integrate, blah blah blah. Like, there's a lot about Mardi Gras that works my nerves. But when I showed up at my first Knicks meeting and I'm like. There's a bunch of women that look like me. There's a bunch of women that are doctors. I'm a, I'm a server. 
You know what I'm saying? There's a bunch of people that were servers. There's a bunch of people that were lawyers. There's a bunch of people that were white. There's a bunch of people that were black. There's Asian, white, fat, thin, blah, blah, blah. How, how did it that happen? Like, how did that happen? That's well, so I'm going to tell you how it happened. And this is kind of a hot topic because the captain of my crew is always in the news for some type of scandal. And her name is Julie Lee. And she was a sergeant in the NOPD. And whatever foibles or whatever unproven allegations or proven, I don't know, this woman decided that she wanted to start a Mardi Gras parade. And my first year, when I went to the big 12th night meeting that they have in the convention center, and she literally broke down point for point, which I didn't even know. Like, do y'all know what somebody has to go through to start a Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans? Mm -hmm. Besides going, it's not even just about city council. Understandable. You, it's not just about city council. It's some old school Illuminati oh, yeah. nonsense. Mm -hmm. They oh, have yeah. to go in a room oh, yeah. with all the old line crews, oh, yeah. and then the old line crews have to oh, vote yeah. Oh, yeah. whether or not you're allowed. And Julie Lee would not say there was one crew. There was one crew that voted against Nix. She would not say who. I, obviously. Does it start with a C? <clears throat> I honestly, I don't know. She's very, she's, you know, she was a cop. She doesn't give anything away. Like, all I know is that one oh, of the... Oh, so you don't know. I, no, I really don't know. She, okay. like, she, no, I don't know. But what I know is it started, my friend Julie is a charter member. When they started, it was about 500 people, and it just slowly grew. And my first year, I started to realize that what I noticed, I'm like, it's slowly growing and growing and growing. And sure enough, this year, like, we're the biggest parade at Mardi Gras. Where Say what? Awesome. We're the biggest parade at Mardi Gras. We're bigger than Endymion. Wow. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. Wow. <laughs> we are, uh, as a friend of mine on Twitter said, 2% of women in New Orleans ride Knicks, which is not true because a lot of the women are from out of town. But um, it's a lot of people, and it's going to be like tandem floats. and How many floats? 44, of which I am on hashtag fabulous 40. <laughs> but, but they do it fair. They do it fair. Last year I was on float nine. And trust me, the looks and the, the, the grief you get when you weigh up in the front. So this year when you're in 40, you can't be mad at the ladies on float six. Okay, now you know, what, tell me exactly um, the schedule. When, when do you roll so, and from where and go All where? right, so Nix is on Wednesday, February 7th. We roll after... Uh, oh. Druids. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Bullshit. We roll after some old line parade that everybody endures, <laughs> that everybody endures until they can get to Nick's, mm -hmm. who may or may not break down on purpose to mess over our schedule. But anyway, so we roll at six and we do the traditional uptown route, but Big time shade. Um, we do the extended uptown route. So since Nix is so big, we come up Chapatulis um, from the the staging area, and then we're up by the Winn Dixie by Jefferson and Chop. We turn down Jefferson, and our parade. Technically, I I don't think I knew this last year, but I found it out this year. We're not supposed to throw anything because the official start of the parade is Jefferson and Magazine. So we go down Jefferson and Magazine. We turn down Magazine. Go to Napoleon by Miss Mays. We turn left, go up to St. Charles, and then Superior Seafood, down St. Charles, all the way to Lee Circle, and hey, just hey, keep on Julie, going. didn't you tell her she was supposed to bring some throws? Where's our throws? I didn't get a B oh. package this year, y'all. I'm hood rich. I couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't afford a B package this year. I'm sorry.
Oh, and even if I could, the B packages don't go on the float till float loading day, which is on Tuesday. Uh, I'm, I'm teasing. No, I would have, but I told her I just, this is why I was late because, you know, New Orleans, beyond some New Orleans time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start giving away your costumes at 530, like quarter to six. They still hadn't opened the doors. And anyway, I can't tell you. Uh, like What's your lo- theme? I, a, I'm not allowed to tell you. And oh. B, even if I was, I don't know. I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't. I went to Joan of Arc instead of going. Well, because here's the thing, in my opinion, when you do a great big parade, the first year I did all the things. I went to every single meeting. You know, I got my my feet wet. I went to the big meetings and the cocktails with the captain and blah, blah, blah. I did all that. And I recommend that. But your second year, it's not so much jaded as you're like, okay, I will just do the float things. So I volunteer more time now with my individual float. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay, and I wasn't at the twelfth night meeting, so I really don't I don't know the official okay. theme because I don't I wasn't there. All right, all right, I'll let you off the hook. But um, okay, now um, I want to um, ask you all: How many of you have been to the World's Fair in New Orleans, the nineteen eighty four yes. World's Fair? That's a little girl. No. Yes. One, two, three. I'm a transplant. Okay, I wasn't. So um, <laughs> what? I wasn't born. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, baby. I was, I was only a thought. No, 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 too soon. I haven't done 50 therapy yet, honey. I'm going to need you to pipe down. Okay. Now, uh, I want to take the uh, mic over here. Okay. Those of you who have been to the World's Fair, if you were doing a parade to lampoon the World's Fair, as my friend over here, Kevin... Kevin, why do I have... Oh, Santani, who is doing the World Unfair Ball at the Music Box this weekend, right? It's this Friday night. Friday night, starting at what time? 6 to 10 p.m., Friday night. 6 to 10 p.m. What would you lampoon? It would have to be the gun that went across the river. The one that went from bank to bank. I was a little girl. It, had, it would have to be the gondola ride. They went from one one side of the river to the other. That was that was fun. That, that, was, you, you that was fun. Did you ever watch the fireworks from up there? Uh, actually, that was, yes. That was the best place. Because back in those days, I was one of those, I'm going to do it with my daddy kind of kid. You know, <laughs> we did all that stuff, and now I don't want to see all that stuff. <laughs> right, we, right. We we have an actual gondola car at oh. our party. Oh, wow. I, I, was, I was watching it. It hung today from a gantry crane. It, oh, wow. it was a beautiful sight. Can and can can people get in it? Yes. Oh, my God. It's yes. amazing. So right? it, it'll hold. It'll hold. And we have some special surprises with that. Um, there was a movie shot at the World's Fair. It was called French Quarter Undercover. It was really bad. It was a cop drama movie. But the... Uh, the clim- is it a Roger Corman film? I don't remember, but the climactic scene is a gondola car falls in the river. Oh, wow. wow. So, so, uh, of course. Come, okay, come, 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 re- come relive it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> come relive it. <laughs> I, was, I was real young back then. Like, yes! All right. Yes. Besides <laughs> the gondola, what else would you lampoon? Don't know the name. Uh, I don't recall the name of the ride, but what I do remember, it was like a really, 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 really high to the sky zip line almost, and it just went up really fast, zoom, kind of way up in the sky, and then it kind of let you back down easy, and then went zoom, 
way back up to the sky. And it was just like, ah, but hang on for two like, ah. And I don't remember if, um, I think it may have had a rainbow of some sort, uh, 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 Behind it, do you remember what it is? You know, I, there, there were there there were. I, 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 I looked it up. I looked it I up. Mean, I worked for the fair. I was the I was the director of public relations. God help me. <laughs> but, um, it, that was an interesting assignment. I really learned how to do damage control during that experience. But it was also a blast. But I remember that ride, but I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, yeah there, I mean, there there were rides there, and there was one that kind of went around like one of those rainbow type rides or something. I'm like, you know, yeah. And, and yeah. back then, those were like really big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, like, it's at every church fair. You right. know what I mean? Yes. Like that back in the day, <laughs> though. That was a really yeah. Every school fair has one of those now, and uh, but you know back then. And you remember the kid wash? Do you remember that Vaguely. thing? Vaguely, there was. Vaguely. This, there was, this was it you, you go in through? It, it was, was like a shower. I was gonna say yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember that? It was like a kid wash. Kind of walk through. Yeah. It was like, yeah. So, so. Okay, so Kevin, give us a little bit more about the party, the ball on Friday night. So, so this Friday night, we are teaming with the Music Box Village over on Rampart Street, and we are producing what's called the World's Unfair. And this will be our third in real life Mardi Gras ball for the virtual crew of Vaporwave. And uh, so we are reimagining the 1984 World's Fair, and we've created various pavilions. Uh, around the music box using projectors and video systems. We're also uh, recreating the WDSU Telecommunications Center where they broadcast live from the fair. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we have a, a lot of activities going on. There's a, there's a DJ Windows 2000. There's DJ Rusty Laser. There's all sorts of performances. Dan Z. It's a, it'll be, be an interesting festival. And, uh, and, and come, come check it out. That's the spectacle. So... Um how how are people going to basically – what I haven't got a picture of yet is how we move around the site. Is there going to be food? Well, I'm there's, sure there's going to be libations. There are libations. Uh, I believe there's food. I think there's 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 food on, on site that night. Are we allowed to bring our own? Because that's what I do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you, you and Mimi Davis. So Mimi Davis is an uptown lady friend of mine. I, oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this on the air. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say, she travels with her favored. She and I are sisters from another mother. Uh, too. This is bourbon. Just because it's cheap and plastic doesn't mean it's not bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what, what's the experience going to be like? So, so the music box. The Music Box Village is an outdoor space where they have created a number of uh, structures. It's sort of a shanty town that's made out of uh, found wood, and you can climb on them. And they're, they're musical instruments. Many of many of the places we've wrapped most of them with uh, with white scrim and are using them as projection surfaces. So it, it will be sort of a, a place you can walk around and see these different pavilions and activities. Uh, we have a, a magic room. We have a stage. We have a, a, a chroma key area. We've got a big video wall that we've recreated the Wonder Wall with, and and all of this will be uh, all the video images will be images of the World's Fair that has been sort of chopped and screwed and sort of changed around in a way and manipulated. And that's sort of the the vapor wave aesthetic. Um, imagine like. Uh, synthesizer music from like the 1980s and 90s or like bad videotape effects, you know, like when the tape is a little messed up. So that's, that's Vaporwave. Um, there's also a, a performance uh, of a group that is going to be called Wham! And they will be singing George Michael songs okay. very slowly, very slowly, very slowly. 
What's the song? I think it's Oh, you go, go. You're already too fast. Yeah, I think that's way. Throw it on the halftime. Wake me up before you go, go. Hey, Woo! I think you kind of might need to have a little bit more of my bourbon before you <laughs> visualize it. I feel like you all need to be there at this event. I mean, I think. Yeah, please, you're hired. Come on over. Of course. I want the baby dolls to ride in Nick's, and I, I mean, to walk in it. Like, I want them in Nick's. Like, I want y'all in Nick's. That's what I want. I'm gonna like start pounding the the, the captain with emails. Like, we need to have the baby dolls. Hey, you know, I want you to share the mic a little bit better because I, I know you have a full booming voice, but you're still not, you're still <laughs> kind of off mic. Wait, can we hear her okay? We were hearing. Okay, no, he's like, said, yeah, we Jess can hear her. Were okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, we can hear her. It's fine. You don't need to put the mic that close. All right, back to Kevin. Kevin, you're a relative. Um, no, no, you're a native. I, I keep I was, forgetting that. I was a senior in high school in 1984, and I had a season pass to the World's Fair. I, I, Were you I in high school? And your parents? Were you uh, school? I, I dropped out of Jesuit. Good for you. Uh, there you do. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, so you go to Jesuit. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you go to the World's Fair. Your parents drop okay. you off there. Yeah, yeah, I drove. I drove. I, oh, you drove there. Yeah. Oh, where's your park? Well, on the street. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. on the street, yeah. All right. What kind of car are you driving? Uh, a Celica, a Toyota. No, I might have had my MR2, a Toyota MR2. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was the 80s. It was I good. Was there, it was but I was good. A baby. So, so what did you do there? What did you do? Um, God, we just walked around all the time, and uh, I remember riding lots of rides. Um, and it was it was an interesting fair because there was a lot of art. There were a lot of things that introduced me to like things outside of New Orleans. I mean, for me, it was a very good experience. Um, you know, I think I had some daiquiris there too. I know I had a lot of Popeyes fried chicken. You know, that, that, that was that was that was what we did there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but uh, but that was it. Yeah. Do you remember the entertainment? Um, I don't remember specifically anything, but I remember going and seeing many acts there. I mean, I just you know this is the thing, but we I can't remember anything specifically. We had a lot of music at the World's Fair, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I mean, that the last all World's different Fair? kinds. It was the last World's Fair held in the United States. Wow. Exactly. They've exactly. Had them yeah, they're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In uh, Canada, primarily, right? Yeah, and, and most in Asian countries now. That's, oh. that's I think, huh. Korea had the last one. China's had one. Uh, uh-huh. So places like that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Well, it was a great, I mean, it really was a great thing. Uh, I, it, it had its difficulties. There were a lot of very complicating financial factors. We were up against the crash, the oil crash, oil patch crash, they called it. Uh, came out of Texas, and that really had an impact. The media were not our friends for various reasons, kind of like Trump. <coughs> I don't know what that word means. And um, I don't acknowledge that word. Right, and and uh, th- there were there were issues, and um, uh, the Olympics happened the same year as us, so we were up against the Olympics. That was tough. That was the Olympics, Olympics was in Los Angeles, oh, so God. they got all the national media marketing dollars. Plus, we're a Democratic city, and the president was Republican, mm-hmm. so you know that whole thing didn't start yesterday. That's been that's mm-hmm. been happening. On, so on, on, op- on opening day at the fair, we had uh, the Facts of Life stars. Those were the those oh, were the wow. celebrities wow. that came to town to, to promote. Yes. <laughs> I can't even talk. I freeze right now. Are you serious? Like all of them? Yeah, they were all there. Oh my God, 
It was Dutch. Dutch. Oh, I remember that extremely well. Well, Well, I'm new. Like, I've only been here like 24 years. But what the irony of the World's Fair is, I worked recently in several restaurants in the warehouse district, and right off Chapatulis, or even past South Peters, everything there is pretty much World's Fair. And I would always tell my tell my guests, they're like, "Oh, this is so new," and blah blah blah. I'm like, "It's it's not new. This building." used to be like stevedores and whatever. I'm like, the wharf used to come right up to South Peters. This all used to be wharf and unloading and, you know, ships and blah, blah, blah. And in 1984, the World's Fair, like, reformed. Like, I even I know that. Like, it reformed that entire part, like, between the Riverwalk, the convention center, all of the hotels. Like, this now the Lowe's building that used to be that oil building. Mike's I mean, Brothers. Likes, like mm-hmm. all of that, and going straight up. And I, I've been working in the warehouse district for years, and it's funny how many people live there now and know that it's just sort of been. Um, but they have no clue of the real history. They really of that don't. They really don't. They just think, oh, you know, they had this this em- this empty area that they gentrified and blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, this was a th- part of a thriving port that has steadily shrunk because that's where the commerce went. But where you live is where somebody used to drag the wares off a ship in 1979 and then go into some, you know, divey bar over there on, you know, whatever, Chapatulis and... Well, back back in the day, I think there were a number of cigar rolling factories and cigar box factories there because we were, you know, doing... Coffee roasting. Yeah, coffee roasting, a lot of those places. Well, you know, okay, so um, I, I actually produced the first entertainment event on the riverfront in probably a hundred years in, uh, what year was that? 1979, I think it was, 70, late 70s, whatever uh, date, um, because it had been a working dock. Now, in the old, old days, when you had steamboats plying the river, you had entertainment on the riverfront, but there hadn't been any. And um, I did a show been? called the Twelfth Night Celebration. It was for the public, unlike some other Twelfth Night celebration, which is, again, what we're all about. The meeting of the courts in, in this definition is a very different definition from the meeting of the courts as it's interpreted um, elsewhere in town. Um, and and um, I, I put on a show. That, I put, you know, the shade of it all. I put I put on um, a show with... Wait, um, did you hear about my If Ever I Cease to Ladder speech? Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, with um, Jorge Santana and a guy named Exuma from the Caribbean and the Neville brothers in the warehouse building that became part of the World's Fair and then later became Riverwalk, okay? So uh, that that this is a world that uh, I was part of. And, and one of the things that people forget about the World's Fair is that it did, in fact, completely transform the so-called warehouse district mm-hmm. and... The, our World's Fair was one of the most impactful in terms of residual use of the area of any World's Fair ever. So when they want to knock our World's Fair guys, you tell them highest uh, concession sales, highest VP sales, highest return visitors, and highest residual use. 
it was a big damn deal, and it was a blast, and we all had a blast. Or you could we just, were just tell them we've been making money for 35 years after that with the yes. Ernest Memorial Convention It's Center. true. Thank you. I and, mean, and in a, in a weird way, somehow, somehow. <laughs> so the, it's still paying hmm. dividends. How many World's Fairs are still paying dividends 30 years after the end of the World's Fair? Right. Gracias. Just saying. True. Yeah. Not, Just not, saying. Knoxville has an empty pyramid still, I think, right? No, it's well, hey, outside of New York, and you wait no, no, to the no, no, Airport, no. Yes. and you see this great big globe, uh, a skeleton. Wait, that's outside Shea Stadium. Or, okay, so I grew up in Jersey, and I'm a Mets fan, which I know is like a whole thing. Y'all don't know about baseball, but that all that World's Fair stuff is still outside what used to be Shea Stadium, and it just sort of looks like... It's they filmed men in black in front of it, and nobody knew it. We're like, oh, we're going to blow up that globe in Queens. And everybody outside of New York was like, I don't know. What, what is and that the only reason there? that thing's still there is because it's made of stainless steel. I mean, like, it's never done it. Like, it I mean, it'll come in handy when we have Anything to... else would have fallen apart by yeah. now. It just happens to be left over. Everything else is everything else going to melt it down out. during the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so <laughs> the story here, guys, is that, um, and, and i got to move on to my next guest, but the story here is that Mardi Gras is for everybody. Yes. And the people yes. who made it that way are people like the baby dolls, who way back in the beginning, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's one thing to start something new today, to have started it back then, during Jim Crow, Absolutely. during the coming yes, out of the yeah. Lost Cause era, the same era when they were building those statues that, you know, are such a big point of debate why I don't know they should have come down a long time ago and um, and 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 then you come with uh, Nick's a women's organization that again this is part of the, the whole thing about the year of the women and, and then we have um, why not celebrate and, and lampoon the World's Fair it was one of the big moments in our history so this World's Fair event is on Friday night at Seven o'clock. Six, six to ten p.m. Six to ten. Friday night. You can do it as a crew of Vaporwave or you can do at a music box. At, at, or a music box. Is that the music box village? Crew of Vaporwave.com or the music box village. Okay. Next is Next is February seventh. It's a night parade. We roll at six. Um, weather. Okay, and we start on the traditional uptown route, but we start from Choptulis and Jefferson. With 44 floats, y'all, the biggest parade. And we're 3,500 ladies looking Man. to give y'all a good time in New Orleans. And then baby dolls. That is a hot, hot moment coming after Pete Fountain in front of Zulu. Baby doll ladies. Baby doll ladies, yeah. Baby doll ladies, yeah. Baby doll ladies. Yeah. That's where everybody's going to be out there looking And you're for not going to want to miss it because we dances. Like, y'all don't even. <laughs> and the costumes are delicious. Yes. Just, just know. Costumes are Come delicious. Come to the sweet shop, boo. <laughs> 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 Ladies, uh, what a ball. This will be one of those shows. We will replay over and over and over again. Thank you so much. Thank you, And Jane. now Thank I'm going to go to Thank the you. other side of the cultural spectrum to art. And we have a lady artist who's coming into the booth as I chase you all out. All right. I you can and now back to you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> you can say anybody who wants to stay can say it, but I just need at least one chair. All right, Nora, come on in. We've been having fun. Come in here and sit down. Thank you all, ladies. Thank you. Loved it. See you. Thank you. I'll be looking for you. My my granddaughter's going to be walking in St. Anne. She's going to come up to Canal Street and be looking for you. 
Okay. Yes. Um, All right. Now, thank you very much. I'll see you Friday night, maybe. Yes, please. Yeah. Cover your team. Hi, Nora. All right. So, um, so I, I I build this whole moment in time. Close the door on your way out. Um, as um, the uh, carnival culture, and so you know, I know everybody's here for the f- <clears throat> for the fun, for the parading, for the funny things, for some of the nasty things. I mean, it's such a mix. But at the same time, we always do have galleries, museums. And, and art all over the city. And, and, you know, we don't get enough... People don't are not as aware of all of the art offerings in the city as right. we wish they were. And that's why I have Nora here today. Well, so tell me about your show, your work, and the scheduling. Uh, thanks, Jean. I, I must say I feel it was a fabulous show tonight, and I feel a little unsparkly I being know. just I, a visual I, artist. I, I hate to have you come after all that. <laughs> no, it, it, but, it's, you know. uh, it was really delightful. And um, But, yeah, it's true. I mean, if people are in the city seeing Mardi Gras stuff, there, there's so much also going on in the way of art in the city. And... Uh, it's it's a really it's a raucous crowd here tonight, so I'm trying to sort of <laughs> hold my own ground. Talk over it's, that, yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, so I'm um, a visual artist. I'm a part of a, the um, the emerging, but I'd say now like really established um, uh, second um, second city Saturday Saint Claude art scene gallery spaces. And so we're um, um, I'm one of a number of collective spaces that do um, terrific shows, and um, this is it's great fun for. For artists to work in this way, um, we've, we've got a terrific kind of commercial gallery um, scene in New Orleans, but the, um, uh, I guess the alternative spaces, um, artist collaboratives really put on some terrific shows. Yeah, and, you know, again, um, uh, St. Claude is, is such a fabulous phenomenon yeah. that came on. It was, after it Katrina, It had started right? before Katrina, but right. it really kicked in yeah. after Katrina. And it really, um, you know, I always say the I knew we were going to be okay when right after the uh, storm, we had our first um, ha- um, Halloween parade right. in the French Quarter, and then um, I started hearing about um, the different galleries, the co-ops, and this yeah. is the thing, again, like like the baby dolls getting together right. themselves it's one day and saying, let's do this, the artists it, yeah. came together and said, let's do this. I think that there's sometimes a myth nobody, that... Nobody that, anointed yeah. you. Yeah, no, and I think there's a myth sometimes that artists do, they, their production is on their own, and so you're sort of lonely genius... In your own in your own studio space, but I think that the terrific thing about these um, collaborative spaces is, is that you really have the chance to um, to really advance the the dialogue of arts in the city. I think it's an indicator when you look around and you see the thriving spaces and the kind of uh, the quality and originality of exhibitions that um, are being put on. It really it's just an indicator of kind of the overall health, um, the kind of thriving nature of the art scene in um, in New Orleans, and that we've been able to also. Um, to work with Prospect in the city this year to, um, with their support, to have so many of these kind of really great project sites um, that uh, And, are, and yeah. let me just remind everybody that Prospect is also something that people don't yeah. completely yet understand. Right. It's a big art festival that yeah. happens all over the city, and it has both official um, sites where it, it's showing artists from all over the world, Right. Um, and then also it has the local satellites right. that are, um, you know, locally based arts uh, sites, venues, artists 
and um, they're a part of it too. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't really understand the satellites either. Right. Well, I mean, they are. They're a wonderful opportunity. Um, you know, with the, <coughs> the invitation from the organizers of, of Prospect for local arts um, and artists organizations, individual artists to um, to participate in this dialogue that is going on with um, national, international um, artists, art audiences. Um, and then also for people who maybe are coming to see some of the big headliners through its, you know, it, very kind of major, um, uh, now I guess triennial and its um, fourth iteration. But there's a large audience that comes here and actually sees, um, you know, if they've got little time, they might also see work that's done by artists um, that are here in the city as well also. Of, um, I really have loved seeing um, Dan Cameron, who brought us uh, Prospect, um, the art, um, the uh, biennial in the first place. Had a couple really wonderful shows at Jonathan Ferrara, um, one going on right now, um, a painting show, and before a great show um, of artists from Mexico City that also work with the Mexican consulate. So there are all kinds of amazing um, kind of cross-pollinations between, you know, you found out more about artists in Mexico and possible um, common, common ground that they have with artists in New Orleans. And so all that is just really, it's exciting. So um, tell me a little bit more about your work and what yeah. you have on, on exhibit yeah. and where and... Times okay. and stuff. Yeah. Like so my um, my current ex exhibition, which is on just for it'll be open this coming weekend, and that's its last weekend. Um, so um, I know I'm going up against Super Bowl and and parades, but um, but I'm working on a, a series that I think um, I feel like is just poised at the the moment we all find ourselves in now, which is sort of this extreme precarious moment. Um, and so it's um it's a work that um, uh, a series that I I began to put together kind of like a lot of people after the election. Um, sort of kind of the post fallout from that time as well too. And um, it's, it's a, kind of a series of maps um, that are personal maps and they borrow from, um, I went right to the ancients who had a, um, a system of map making um, prophecy and soothsaying that went back to the um, old star maps and, um, and um, maps also of internal bodies, the kind of the inside of the human body, the celestial maps. And so they had these kind of fabulous maps that I've co-opted to make um, a series of uh, collages, paintings. I've worked with um, for the first time with really high-tech um, processes like laser cutting, and so I've got um, kind of a dynamic sort of installation um, and uh, and painting show <clears throat> currently. So oh, I'm sorry, it? it's it's uh, it's called various portents, and it is um, what at. What does uh, that mean? Yeah. So that means portents are essentially they are warnings. Yeah, kind of warnings, and so I think that that's you know we all sort of have this sort of sense of things. Kind of the, the world is a little hard to read. There seem to be all these sort of um, kind of ominous signs, and I mean we're not making it up. <laughs> um, and so, um, so this this kind of idea of sort of bringing them all together, looking at them, trying to sort of find ways of seeing our way out of something that is kind of complicated at the moment is sort of at the heart of the work. And I think at the heart of a lot of people's work, whether it's overtly political at the moment, I think most people are kind of trying to. You know. And today, uh, I mean, I think that artists have always been trying to provide a narrative about yeah. the world that they live in and helping people to understand it, much the way writers do yeah. and filmmakers Musicians. do, but artists yeah. do also. Right. Uh, people tend to think of art as being strictly visual mm -hmm. and not really necessarily dig down into what an artist is trying to say, or they put words in an artist's mouth, which right. is another uh, you know yeah. thing that happens yeah. as a rule. But um, I think more than ever, artists are really, they are trying to, provide those portents and say, yeah. pay attention, folks. For example, here in New Orleans, so many of our artists deal with environmental issues. Right. 
And that's all about portents. Yes. Yeah, it's it's sort of looking around to, you know, what seem to be, in some cases, kind of blaring signs, but but oftentimes sort of subtle indicators. And I think artists are, you know, we look at imagery so much that we have kind of ways of of reading beyond reading and looking at the way that things connect. And so I think it is it is the area which artists can really, you know, become seers in a way. And I think that the, the show kind of plays with that idea of super seeing or soothsaying or, or trying to sort of to really stretch and to, um, to, to look for ways out. Yeah, so I kind of want people um, who are listening to realize that, okay, again, art is not just about, you know, um, pretty pictures. Right. It, it really is about helping people see things in a different way mm-hmm. and, and bringing a whole other narrative, a whole other kind of, um, again, lens right. to um, what we experience and maybe have a trouble na- understanding and navigating. And again, um, various portents really tries to address that. Where yes. is your show? So the show is at Staple Goods um, Cooperative, which is on 1340 St. Rock. So it's just a few blocks up uh, from the St. Rock Market um, as you're heading towards Claiborne. So you go have a bite to eat go have a bite at to the St. Rock yep. and then walk down the street. Yeah. So to open open Saturday and Sunday it's noon really to 5. It's really a neat gallery. It's and a I, great I will, yeah, gallery. And I'll also be there Sunday noon to 5 if anyone wants to come by and say hi. So those hours again? Saturday and Sunday noon to 5 p.m. So generally speaking, for those of you who are not regular visitors to the St. Claude art um, area, um, Saturday and Sundays from noon to 5 is when those are the primary mm-hmm. times to go there because a lot of the artists who run these galleries yeah. work during the week. Right. We all right. have those day so, jobs. Yeah. yeah, so we all take turns doing the gallery sitting, and that's why we have what seems to be a kind of a you know a, a bohemian staff structure, but it's because everybody's working. <laughs> uh, you know, Nora, just off the top of your head, how, how many artists would you say are actually involved in uh, uh, organizing and being a part of the scene I think there. I mean, the number is just increasing. Every time I turn around, there's a new space that's opening up. I mean, hundreds, I would think, are, are involved in one level or or another. Um, and so, some actively on rosters of spaces, and some have kind of um, they're being brought in by spaces in a more like an interning kind of a way as well too. So I think it's um, it's kind of a, it's getting to be a pretty robust um, uh, population. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, St. Claude blows my mind. Yeah. I just love my, it. Me too. I love being down there for the openings. Yep. The openings are on the second, second Saturdays of yep. the month yep. from like six to nine, yeah. six to whenever. Sort of the, the further whenever you go the, out, yeah, St. Claude, the, the later they stay open. So by the, I think <laughs> yeah. the front stays open until 10 p.m. And they, you know, they all have a really amazing show. Antenna, the front, good children are some of the kind of the ones that have been there longer. Um, but it, as I say, there are new ones popping up all the time. And I just think it's a kind of a great way for artists to kind of expand what, the, what it means to be an artist, actually, because they tend to have, many of them are like Antenna, have kind of like a real sense of social engagement as well, too, and so, um, so they're, they're a lot of fun. And I, I think that uh, just to reconnect it to um, our, our show this evening, uh, what always uh, um, amazes me, too, is how many of the artists who are involved there, including the ones who've come from somewhere else, are now a part of and invested yeah. in our whole carnival scene. Yeah. I'm going to take a caller who I think is on the line. Are you? Hello? Um, I'm on the line to talk about the Saver Sound concert. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that we, we uh, got you in before the end of the show. Nora's with us still. So um, uh, go ahead. Tell us your story. Okay. Great. Great. Um, well, we are Woodlands Conservancy, and we're having the Save Our Sponge concert uh, on celebrating World Wetlands Day on February 1st at the New Orleans Jazz Market. 
And that is tomorrow night, y'all. That's mm-hmm. why I had to get her on the show tonight because it, it is. It is tomorrow. Thanks for flipping us in there. We have uh, our patron party begins at 6 p.m. And we have Harry Harden's Jazz Quartet performing with vocalist Leah Rucker at 6 p.m. And that is going to be followed by 7.30 p.m. with Tom McDermott on the piano. Uh, followed by our new Grammy-awarded Lost by You Ramblers. Wow, that's big time. Yeah, what did they just win? Did they just win something? Amazing, probably over $10,000 worth of amazing silent auction items from everyone from the Ritz to a a photo by Zach Smith of the Lost by You Ramblers to Orpheus Capone. um, It's going to be a really fun evening. Um, the where exactly? Where exactly? Is it, okay. tickets are one fifty and uh, include complimentary cocktails throughout the evening and gourmet appetizers and the Saver Sun concert with um, Tom McDermott and Los Value Ramblers. The tickets are twenty five or thirty five dollars. Oh my God, that's nothing. That's a that's one of the cheapest fundraisers I've heard of in a long time. So we, you got to get your numbers in there. <laughs> Uh, in order to make your money. Where exactly is it going to be? Uh, this is going to be at the New Orleans Jazz Market, which is an amazing venue, great acoustic. Yeah. And I love that space. I love that space. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful space. It is a great place for a concert. It's a great place for hanging out. It's a great it's place fun. for a fundraiser. Right. It is just fun and really, it's actually really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And parking is a dream. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to park there. Great to support businesses in that corridor as well, too. It's really it's Absolutely. Yeah. And the proceeds help us raise funds to continue to preserve forests and wetlands that protect our community. And we're really grateful it's being made possible by Silver and Phillips 66 and Ladder and Bloom and the National Wildlife Federation. And our specialist in Katie Carl Rosenblum. And I hope people can come out. Um, again, tickets are 25 and $35 for general admission. An available event for and also at the door. So, so um, let me just understand exactly. Um, you were talking a little bit about what the money's going to go for, but just tell me exactly what your organization focuses on. I mean, there's okay. a lot of organizations out there working on environmental issues now, but what 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 do you guys do that's that's important? Well, thank you for asking. Um, we're organized as a land trust. We were organized in 2001. And we have been trying to acquire uh, low-lying forested wetland areas that really shouldn't be developed, but at the same time, they provide uh, the community protection by absorbing stormwater and serving as a wind barrier and also habitat for wildlife and, and migratory birds. So we own 190 acres in Orleans Parish right now. Wow. Called the Delacro Preserve. And we're in the process of buying 650 acres that we've been managing for the past 12 years in Parkland Parish called Woodlands Trail, which is open to the Bob Lake and has, you know, over 10 miles of recreational trails. Um, so the De- let me go back to the Delacro Preserve for just a minute. Is that on Delacro, what's called Delacro Island? No. I'm glad you asked that because some people have sometimes ended up in the wrong place. <laughs> Um, we are on uh, it's on Delacroix Road on the west bank oh, okay. of New Orleans. So it's 
lower coast Algiers. Okay, so it's still a part of the Algiers area. Uh, <clears throat> well, I know that, um, I mean, this, is, this has been another one of those labors of love on the part of people who have a passion for our part of the world and for our people and our way of life. And um, I guess you know that we have that show uh, that we're putting on over at um, Crevasse 22 uh, Riverhouse called Migration, and it is about uh, our species and all species and how they have to move around to stay safe, uh, whether it's for political or environmental reasons. And um, uh, we, you know, we're doing a show about birds and boats and, and uh, all the things that um, we hope uh, won't disappear. And we just had a bunch of our hunters who came in uh, to, to visit duck, with right? us this past weekend, our duck hunters, <laughs> yeah, and served a, a lot of duck gumbo, of course. So, um, you know, I think uh, as we were talking about with Nora, I don't know if you heard her um, interview, but um, so much of art today really is trying to um, portend, warn us about um, things that we really have to pay deeper attention to. And certainly the Woodlands Trail, mm -hmm. and I don't know as much about the Jellicrow Preserve, but I, I do know a little bit about the Woodlands Trail, and that's what that's all about. Uh, that's interesting, because I've been trying to get together with Eugene, uh, because uh, I did hear about what you were doing at the crevasse. Unfortunately, I heard about it right after the <laughs> last show you did. Oh, so I'm going to have to get you on my mailing list. So we'll 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 talk about that offline. You call me again. And we'll, yes, we'll commiserate <laughs> because um, yeah. one of the artists actually did come out and look at our area about right. possibly doing a show at some point. Oh, good. Right. Well, listen, I, I couldn't be uh, more supportive. I love what you're doing. I think. Um, Trying to conserve those uh, uh, areas of our of our region is it's it's incredibly important. I've been dealing with the whole issue of coastal erosion forever. So thank you for doing this. This is going to be tomorrow night, six o'clock, right there in the middle of Central City at the New Orleans Jazz Market. It couldn't be a better place. Lost by you, Ramblers just won a Grammy, and um, you know cocktails and. Only 25 and $35? Oh, my God. You just have to go. this is such a bargain. You've got to go there. So we've had some great stuff today on the show. I really had a blast, and um, I, I'm looking forward to all of these events. I, I'm, I've been my husband's such a um, homeboy lately. It's kind of hard to drag <laughs> us behind out uh, off Esplanade Avenue, but I'll, I'll try to get now, out now and, and visit some of them. Right. Good luck with that. All right, thank you. Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. And, okay. and Nora, thank you thank for you, coming Jean. in. My and pleasure. Uh, I'm sorry I gave you such a hard act to follow. I just have Who to, knew? i got to get extra sparkly. You know, I, I really I just decided at the last minute to put yeah. everybody in the room at the well, same time. But every time I do that, it's fun. We, and we all relate on some on some level. Absolutely. Well too. Yep. This is Jean Nathan. This is Crust Down Conversations. This is Carnival Time, New Orleans. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and you have a wonderful week. I'll be with you next Wednesday still, right, Jazz? We're on the air, huh? Okay. I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.